called Punch Drunk. The punches weren't really necessary. Maybe they were super necessary. Welcome to episode nine of the Punch Drunk Podcast, your favorite combat sports podcast. I'm your host, Lewis, and I'm joined, as always, by my guy, Adam. What is going on? Oh, I was on mute. Sorry. Long time no see. Um, What's going on is not a lot. I'm still stuck in lockdown in Sydney, Um, starting to feel the pinch a bit, doing the hard yards now, and there's just no end in sight. So my life is grim. But I have an award-winning podcast that I can fall back on whenever times are a bit weary. How are you going? Yeah, how 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 are you enjoying Michael Bisbing's Believe You Me? <laughs> um, uh, DC and RC, you mean? Is it? <laughs> oh my god! Fucking <laughs> Ryan Clark! Oh my god! Uh, let's not get any hate. Unbelievable! We're, we're lovers, not fighters, over here. That's. Well, there's one thing we're not, and that is fighters. So I guess the other side of that coin is, by definition, <laughs> probably not going to start beef be. with an actual Super Bowl champ and an actual UFC heavyweight champ. I've got no beef with DC, unlike uh, some other people right now, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But no beef with DC. Uh, I just think he deserves better than having shitty analysis from Ryan Clark as part of his flagship ESPN program. But anyway, by the by, by the by. But uh, speaking of the heavyweights, man. It was a heavyweight-centric main event last weekend, UFC 265. Tell me about it. I know you watched it live. I unfortunately wasn't able to. So I'm going to let you take the lead on this one and, and sort of talk talk us through how you enjoyed the main card. So the main card was pretty decent. I wouldn't say it was amazing. I wouldn't say it was terrible either. It, it probably overperformed to what we thought it was going to be, a massive right. reason being the main event. But... I might quickly just touch on the only real talking points I would have said was Kiesa basically got tapped out and he, watching the fight, he thought he had it won and then he got reversed and submitted um, within 30 seconds, which was pretty impressive and he you could just tell how angry he was at himself. So that was pretty cool. Can't say I got a whole lot out of that fight though. It was kind of just like a bit of a slip, like a brain slip by Kiesa, but uh, Vicente Luque looked good. Who I thought looked amazing, Luke, though. Luke is a dog, man. Luke is a yeah. dog. Uh, uh, that that division is full of dogs. <sighs> right, move, moves up to number four in the world now. I mean, look at the top of that division. Champ Kamaru is going to be fighting Colby Covington, and there's Gilbert Burns, Leon Edwards, and Vincente Luque. Like, there's a lot going on there with Jorge Masvidal lurking in the wings as well. Yeah, I think the, um, the reason... Like, that's all great, but then it's just the champ seems so much better than everyone still. Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, I am super interested in seeing him fight, Cole, because it was it was a great fight. And I'm interested to see what adjustments he's made um, between then and now. So I agree uh, that he is the standout in the division. But, yeah, I still, a little part of me still thinks Colby could get it done because it was such a – such a close fight until the stoppage came. Yeah, definitely. One of the better fights we've ever seen, I think. But I'd love to see someone beat Kamaru, but I don't think I want it to beat Colby if someone is going to beat him, you know. <laughs> Anyone but him. <laughs> well, it would be so entertaining, though, having such a villain as the as the champ. I don't think oh, it'd be electric. Well. It'd be so good for the sport. Definitely. Uh, Aldo. Jose Aldo. Wanted to touch base on him. I think we both said that he, he'll get over the line, so pretty happy with that pick. He looked amazing. I think he deserves a shot at the title at some point once the um, title is settled. But, His hands are so freaking fast. Oh, it's unbelievable. Man, it's but so still, at his age, that hand speed. Yeah, this this weight class is just absolutely perfect for him. 
yeah, just I I'd be looking to get him a title shot ASAP. Yeah, like obviously time's not on his side, so he wants to get one ASAP. Exactly. There's a few fights floating around probably before, or at least one fight before that. Uh, he did look really, really skinny on the scales, though. Like I was kind of worried about it, um, and I think Dana might have even ended up mentioning it post-fight. He looked, mm-hmm. he looked terrible on the scales, I'm not going to lie, and then he looked absolutely amazing um, in the fight. So... Looks can be deceiving, I guess. I hope he's not, you know, taking years off his life with the amount of weight cutting he's doing. But once he's in that octagon, he looks like a supreme athlete. And holy shit, if I'm 10% of him at that age, I'll be happy. He's an absolute beast. Mate, you're about 3% of him now. What are you talking about? Oh, please. He's like five foot three. (laughs) (laughs) The great thing about being tall, no matter what, you can always just come back, back, and be like, he's short. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, that's my only comeback, really, because you're right. That guy's a fucking super athlete. But <laughs> I don't want to dwell on that card too much because the main event, Cyril fucking gone. I gave him a pump up last week. I really revved him up. I said he was amazing. I said he's got all these skills. Don't sleep on him. Blah blah blah. He was going in the favorite anyway, but he impressed me even more. He made. Lewis looked like he literally made Lewis look like he was some guy off off the street that they just grabbed, threw yeah. him in there. Oh, you look big, throw throw him in. That's what he made him look like. And that that's yeah, like, this guy who's one of the most dangerous punchers on the planet. But this is the the different levels we're talking about. Derek Lewis is a good athlete with absolute dynamite in his hands, whereas Cyril Garn is a highly accomplished, highly technical kickboxer who's evolving and coming more and more into this MMA game. He looked tremendously good we both picked Cyril Garn I think he said the only way we would you know get it we would see Lewis winning is tagging him early under two and a half rounds with a knockout that didn't happen there was no danger of that happening and Cyril Garn he there was a couple of shots he took as well which he just weathered no no problem whatsoever he's a big dude (laughs) he's terrifying yeah terrifying but he's not like he's a he's a fun like jovial type character guy he seems like a guy you would just easily go and have a beer with or sit down and watch a bit of football with or talk some shit he just seems a super fun nice relaxed guy who happens to be supremely talented at kicking and kneeing people in the face yeah and he came out his entrance song he came out to a song called still tippin which is a houston rapper's song mike jones and the whole crowd thought it was lewis coming out obviously a bunch of fucking casuals because the highest-ranked fighter always comes out second. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, that, but, that song came on and the whole crowd went nuts and he trolled the whole fucking stadium. It was so good. Um, and it just did made you see so the press conference? Won, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, did you see the press conference afterwards? And he, he, he said, though, he's loved Houston culture for years. Like, he's, a, he's just a big fan of the music and he wasn't just doing it to be a troll. He was doing it almost like a, in homage to the city of Houston. And, and I think he won a lot of the, lot of the fans over as well. Yeah, good song. Can't complain. Can't complain. Okay, so we have an interim champion, Cyril Garn, and we all know Francis Ngannou, Cyril Garn, collision course to unify the belts. I can't remember the last time we had a, a title, heavyweight title uh, unification bout. It, it may have been Brock Lesnar against um, Shane Carwin. I can't remember the last time there was an interim heavyweight champion. Neither, but... I'm, 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 Man, not even that. I can't remember. Oh, I think I think Fabricio Verdum might have had the interim title. I think him didn't Fabricio Verdum fight Mark Hunt for the interim title belt. Uh, you might be right. I think, you might. Be I right. think that's I what happened. Know. Anyway, yeah. Confirm. Anyway, what I in case we're wrong. <laughs> but I don't. I can't remember a heavyweight fight I've looked forward to more than this one. Let alone title fight. Let alone anything. This is the biggest undoubtedly the biggest heavyweight fight ever in my books that's going to If be they get this right and they promote it right absolutely you've got two absolute specimens this is like a comic book this is like DC versus Marvel Batman versus Superman just two absolute chiseled maniacs going at it inside the octagon it's going to be an incredible fight and i really hope the UFC markets it correctly it would be incredible to see this fight put on 
I mean, it's going to be Vegas. It has to be Vegas, but it would be amazing to see them harness the profiles of these two guys and have the fight somewhere else, have the fight somewhere in Africa in a stadium or have the fight. Well, MMA is still technically illegal in France, I believe. So France couldn't work, but some, you know, Wembley Stadium in the UK and have a bunch of French people come over sometime next year. I don't, I don't know, but it it deserves a fight of this magnitude deserves promotion. It deserves something extra and it deserves something special and they should build the greatest pay-per-view event of the year around this card. There should be multiple title fights. There should be huge pay-per-view guys that, and uh, all, all on the card because they could absolutely melt pay-per-view records if they, if they market this and they do this correctly. And the best thing, these guys came up together. Different backstories from different parts of the world, but they came up together and trained together in France, and there's footage of them sparring. This is incredible. How? What? I can't, I can't get over that these two men from their different backgrounds, everyone knows Francis Ngannou's incredible story uh, about how he came from um, Cameroon, but to, to that these two guys found their way to uh, the same area of the world where MMA is illegal and, and somehow now are both heavyweight champions of UFC and are going to be fighting to unify the belt. I mean, you couldn't script this. You couldn't write a better movie script than this. And I can't wait for the promotion behind it, the countdown, the embedded, everything that goes along with it. Dana White is going to be gassing this up like nobody's business. And I'm, I'm very, very excited to see how, how this unfolds. Francis Ngannou, I, don't, I haven't looked at the betting favorites. I, I assume he's the favorite. But Cyril Ghan is going to present him a lot of problems that he might not be able to deal with. The, the difference is Ngannou can close the distance and is more explosive than Derek Lewis, far more explosive. But And, and is obviously more technical and has, and has evolved his game from just being a clubbing monster with bricks in his hands. But Ghana... He, Cyril Ghan is a is the better striker technically. Whether he whether he's the same level of, of athlete, different story, and certainly isn't as heavy-handed as Ngannou. And that's going to make this fight absolutely fascinating. You ready for this? Tell me. Francis Ngannou loses against Cyril Ghan. Lock it in. <laughs> Uh, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. A month ago, I would have preached on this podcast saying that Francis Ngannou will never lose a fight. Four weeks later, I'm saying he will lose his next fight. And the crazy thing Spicy. is, I don't think Cyril Garn's biggest challenge is Francis Ngannou. I think it's John Jones in 2022. I think that is... I love, I love that take. I love that take because John Jones is... Equally as technical, incredible wrestler, and long, rangy, just presents all of the problems to Cyril Garn that if he can get through Francis, the Francis Ngannou can't present outside of the just murderous enter the shadow realm esque power that Francis Ngannou possesses. John Jones is a superior martial artist on every level, right? He is, and I think people have forgotten because it's been a while since we've seen peak John Jones and questions will remain as whether we will see peak, see peak John Jones again and whether he can get himself to that level as a heavyweight carrying that extra uh, muscle mass and, and, and you know, uh, physique around with him. I think but there's will. no question that John Jones is... is in my mind, the greatest to ever do it. Yeah, I think John Jones, If it seems like he, he truly has been training for the preparation of 2022, you know, like he's gradually yes. moving to the division. And if he is doing all that professionally with all the people around him, I can't help but think he's just got to, he's going to be just as good, but at the weight of a heavyweight. Um, who knows though, he, it's John Jones, he might have just been, bludgeon the last couple of months we don't who who really fucking knows we'll never know until we see him fight but if he is doing it all as professional as he seems to be and he's got that head screwed on he's the scariest pro prospect in the world i think when it comes to mma yeah and that's that's the kind of fight which can give john jones 30 40 million dollars right that's if if cyril garn dismantles in garnu or beats in garnu he will become an incredible star in just 
outrageous. Ngannou's well on his way, but I think I think uh, Cyril Garn will go even will go even further. And I can't. I think he's got just a little bit more charisma, a little bit more on the microphone, a little bit more salesmanship. And I think we're, we're looking at just an absolute megastar. Question, just thinking about this. So it's going to be a while till we see Nganu and, and Cyril Garn get it on. Is, do you have any interest in a John Jones fight with anyone else in the heavyweight division before that to, as a, you know, as a, a warm-up fight or to give him some legitimacy to come in and compete for the belt right away, given it's been so long. It's not like he just had the light heavyweight strap last year. It's been some time since we've seen John Jones compete as uh, at a high level inside inside the octagon. I was thinking maybe you, you give him Stipe Miocic, who's not the biggest heavyweight. Uh, is a great wrestler in his own right uh, and, and, and potentially the has could present some difficulties to to John Jones, but ultimately I think John Jones wins that fight, so it doesn't present a true danger to de- derailing the opportunity for Jones to then go and fight for the belt later. And I think it gives Stipe a nice big payday and a, a thank you for everything you've done on the on the backside of his career. I think it's probably a good idea to fight before he fights either Garn or Nganu. The, just the dangerous thing about MMA, especially the heavyweight division, like you can't have a tune-up. That's fight. it. It's not boxing, man. Like mm-hmm. all these guys are fucking killers in their own right. They're all one-punch knockout. The, the gloves are tiny. It's kicking. It's so much more dangerous, and it's just you, you are flirt like you're playing with fire by having sort of a tune-up fight before them. If like ideally, you'd want to have it just to make sure you you got the skills and all that, but. When it comes to money and brain damage and all that sort of stuff, if the fight's available for for the champ, you just take that fight, I think. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And it's a bigger money fight as well. It's not like we saw with um, Justin Poirier taking the money fight with Conor McGregor before fighting for the belt. The money money fight for for John Jones in this instance is to fight for the belt right away. Jones versus Stipe would be a huge event but not as big as John Jones coming in for, to, to fight for the title right away. Okay, so we are talking a lot about the heavyweight division, and, and that's with for good reason, because we really want to dive in to what the heavyweight division is looking like, because right now the top 15 is set, but there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking in the next few months, because we've got plenty of guys in the top 10, top 15 scheduled for matchups. I'm really excited uh, come the end of the year, four months from now, to see what this heavyweight looks division looks like going into 2022. We can start to really get excited about some of the some of the potential matchups. So, um, as you said, this is the best the heavyweight division's ever been. The number of elite guys at the top with Ngannou, so Cyril Garn, so Stipe still there. Stipe still there. He hasn't really done anything wrong, Stipe, at this point, right? He's <laughs> like he lost. Okay, he got caught by fans. Okay, so what? It's yep. it's not the end of the world. He beat the guy once. He's he's a, he's one of the best, if not the best, uh, UFC heavyweight champion in history to date. So he's still hanging around there. Derek Lewis, assassin. Curtis Blades, very well-rounded, heavy hands, very good wrestler. We got Volkov, Rosenstrike. I mean, this is this is an incredibly top-heavy and deep top fifteen in the heavyweight the division. The Volkovs and, and the Rosenstrike, like those sort of level guys. They probably would be ranked number two right now if Cyril Garn didn't just come in and sweep everyone, you know? Like, yeah. If it wasn't for him, they'd probably be they'd probably be in Derek Lewis's position. But it's just that Cyril Garn is on another level that he's making um, people like Volkov's a fucking murderer, man. He's so tough. And he's, they're just fighting guys that are even bigger assassins, like you just said. But um, yeah, this is truly one of the most exciting things. Uh, honestly, Probably the most exciting thing in the UFC since Conor McGregor. I know that sounds outrageous, but when when boxing was at its best, it was when Mike, the heavyweights are the ones that bring in the dough. And the UFC yep. has had their fair share of decent heavyweights, but they've never had someone like Ngannou. And then all of a sudden, there's a guy just as scary as Ngannou that's going to fight Ngannou. It's seriously so fucking exciting. And I feel like it'll... If that fight lives up to the hype, which I really hope it does, 
best case scenario for the UFC, they get a Jones fight against him or maybe in Garnu and Garn have like a trilogy, but that would boost UFC so close to the point where boxing once was, I feel like, with boxing just ruled the world. Like when you talk about fights, you just meant boxing. People just knew you meant boxing. And now I feel like yeah, yeah. you're going to be talking about fights and people will know you're talking about UFC and that's because the heavyweights will, will rule. Definitely the heavyweight division being dominant, exciting and deep is key for the UFC to finally being able to get closer to boxing. I still think we're many years away from that happening, but boxing has got a century head start. So where the UFC is now is is very admirable. But as you said, when Tyson Fury eventually fights Anthony Joshua, when they get the shit sorted out, first of all, he's got to fight Wilder again yeah. with that delay. But once when that fight happens, I mean, this will it'll probably sell the most pay per views of all time. Yeah, we'll like be talking about enti- it on this podcast. That's- we'll be talking about it on this podcast. I'm thoroughly excited. Tyson Fury is one of my favorite athletes on the planet. He's incredible. But boxing has had these iconic heavyweights for kids to look up to and to aspire to. The UFC hasn't always had that, or they've been like slobbish dudes or unattainable sort of um unattainable physiques isn't the right word but they haven't been making huge amounts of money they haven't been big stars because there was such fast turnover with the belts and i think part of the star power of these incredible heavyweights in in boxing was that you had guys having a legacy for a long time winning fights and then unifying the belts and you had the build-up with all of that but what we what is so important here with Francis Ngannou and Cyril Gahn is they represent an entire half of the world that really has been missing from the UFC for a long time, uh, particularly in the heavyweight division. And now you have the entire continent of Africa. You know, you can, right now there's going to be a 16 or 18 year old mountain of a man built like Ngannou who goes, well, I can, tr- I can train, I can do that. There will be avenues for me to do that because Francis Ngannou has done the hard yards. He's done the incredible journey to open the door and shine a light, force the UFC to go, holy shit, we need to go and look for these guys. So there will be more of them. There will be more in France. There'll be another Cyril Ghan. There'll be more in Europe because of of Cyril Ghan. And the UFC wants to put these performance centers everywhere. They want to go and scout talent and they want to get the best guys in the world before anyone else can get them, before boxing can get them, before the NFL can get them, before whatever other sport that they might be involved in. The UFC wants to get these guys. And finally, they have the power, they have the money, and they have the reach, the multi-billion dollar empire that's needed to be able to go out and compete with other sports and get these guys in. So we're going to see the door has been flung open now. We've seen it with other divisions in the UFC where the re- it takes a few guys and then all of a sudden the killers start coming out of nowhere and the division becomes more and more and more and more stacked. I mean, look at the 135-pound division, right, or the 145-pound division. The UFC used to be exclusive, used to start at lightweight and then they, you know, they acquired the WEC, but no one really cared about it. Only the most diehard, degenerate fans on the planet cared about it. And now you have huge stars at 135, huge stars at 145, because people were there to open the door and lead the way. And other people around us was like, oh, that guy's doing it. I can do it as well. And I really think, as you said, this is a watershed moment for the heavyweight division. Next year, when this fight happens, this will be the biggest UFC fight, heavyweight fight in history, potentially the biggest UFC fight in history, or at least one of them, and truly is going to bring on a huge influx of talent at the heavy at the heavyweight division. Yeah, it, it's it's a even if it's not the biggest, you know, by the numbers, by the pay per view numbers, it, it might be the most important that that, that we've ever seen. Um, and this gym, this is it called the MMA Factory in Paris, where where they're from, I believe I think it is. So. That's gonna if um, Cyril becomes the champ, man. There's gonna be lines around the block to get into that place. It'll be exactly like what happened with Adesanya, and that's one of the the most popular gyms now in the world, um, based out of New Zealand. It's gonna be huge. Everyone and anyone in Europe that wants to be an MMA pro. They're going to France, aren't they? Straight away. They're probably doing it now, to be honest. Yes. Yeah. And Garnu yeah. was there and now he's there. And it's like, well, they're just training absolute killers. But seeing the skills and the the 
poise that Cyril Garn had, like that's that's something you see and you're like, that's trained. That's of course there's natural athletic ability, but the way that he's bouncing on his feet, moving in, out, the way that he just went for the kill once he sort of knew he had Derek. It, it, it yeah. was he was floating around all day. Like he, he probably could have finished him earlier, but he was so disciplined. He waited and he waited. Didn't want to get caught by those those hands. And then as soon as he had Derek um mentally beaten, he was Derek took the punches pretty well. He's always Lewis is always a bit sort of you know how he will pretend he's more hurt than he is and then throw yeah, one. Play a bit of So it's hard to yeah. tell how much he was actually hurt, but I know Prentice and Garner's power is on another level, but I think Cyril Garn might have some fucking hands. He just has the technique that he doesn't go. You know, the, the real pros, they only ever hit at 60%, 70% most of the time unless they know yeah. they're going to crack. And that's what I felt like it was for him until those last, he, feel, he threw a couple to the body and I was like, they would not have tickled. But, yeah, I, I'm so excited, man. You can probably feel it in my voice. But. <laughs> yeah, and you're right about there's going to be lines around the block trying to get into this gym. France, for many, many years, has been a hotbed of, of kickboxing. France has never had great boxers. Up until now, they haven't really had, I'm aware of, great MMA fighters. France has had great kickboxing, and I don't know why that is, but France has, has produced some very, very high-level kickboxers. But for whatever reason, kickboxing, out of all of the combat sports, just doesn't really get the same eyeballs and attention. It's starting to get a bit more there now with Bellator and 1FC allowing kickboxing fights, things like that. But but really, it's boxing and then mixed martial arts. And kickboxing has sort of missed its, missed its shot almost. To the, we're talking about you know the life-changing crazy amounts of money. So I think you're going to see kids who came up kickboxing till they're 15, 16, 17 go, I think MMA is where I need to be, especially once it becomes legal in France. And if France gets a heavyweight champion, I think they have already, they're working towards it legislatively. But if they get a heavyweight champion of the world and it's still somehow illegal in that country, that is going to change like that because they're going to go, hey, we would love to have, uh, you know, the UFC come and hold a stadium fight at the uh, the Parc de Prince or, you know, one of the big stadiums in Paris, fill out a rugby stadium with 70,000 people to watch a heavyweight championship of the world. Are you kidding me? They will do that in a heartbeat. So this is just the beginning for an evolution and explosion of MMA out of France. And, you know, we already know what Francis Ngannou is doing for MMA on the African scene as well. By the way, just scrolling through, you know, these Instagram profiles that just put up different fight clips. There's just watching some MMA fights in Africa. Wild, wild. And they're not in a proper octagon or cage or anything. It's a circle of sandbags with, with dirt and they have sneakers on. They don't care. They're scrapping and incredible power, incredible athleticism. You're like, this is like a small regional, probably unsanctioned bout for, for cash in a hand. And these guys look like they could step in and, you know, do some damage in the lower ranks of Bellator or the PFL to tomorrow. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. The look at, look at basically any other big sport that eventually the people of African descent just start to take over. Don't they? They're genetically gifted, obviously in a lot of ways, but, they just seem to take to certain sports so fucking perfectly. It's the genetics. I think it's the work ethic. Definitely. I was going to say it's the work, it. the work, the work ethic and the upbringing. Obviously, there's some uh, genetic advantages. Not always, but our worlds are completely different. And every, in, I don't want to generalize, obviously, because Africa is a diverse continent. And there's all kinds of stuff going on there. But, but I would say, as a, as a generalization, you could say that many, many Africans on a day-to-day basis live, live a far more difficult and a life of struggle and conflict compared to what we do. And out of that, struggle creates, you know, strength, work ethic, uh, you know, a willingness to go on in difficult situations. Yeah. It's like my phone dies of battery or my coffee maker stops working. I'm like, well, it's all over for me now. Meanwhile, you know, Kids, kids in Africa start their day by laboring and then walking six miles each way to go to school, a mile to go and fetch. It's it's unfathomable how different it is. 
And that generation upon generation breeds something that you can't teach, that you can't train. It's something that is just born within them, instilled from, 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 from day one. And that creates just incredible the it, those same traits just translate so well to competitive sports that you just see people from african descent just just taking over mate if you want me to stop complaining about lockdown just tell me you don't have to go on a five minute spiel about it i get it some people have life harder than me all right <laughs> i know <laughs> i was like oh my wi-fi is a little slower today oh. <laughs> but you you are right it's, and the perfect example of that i know you were tiptoeing around trying to make it not about race and all that the perfect example of that is the dagestanis as well they yes the per, their upbringing is just different to ours and look at those motherfuckers they are it's insane scary Do you honestly i don't know like how that would work but i'm pretty sure that the ufc should just buy dagestan and just turn it <laughs> the entire country into a ufc performance center just just annex dagestan <laughs> nah, because then you just you turn all the kids like from all the kids from now until forever would just be pussies because everything's paid for, you know. <laughs> no, 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 no! You don't change anything. Just secure rights. Just make a deal with the government to secure rights. Uh, I'm to pretty all sure like Dagestani wrestlers. To be yeah, you know, like Toyo Tire sponsors like the official tire of the UFC. Dagestan, the official wrestling provider of the UFC. <laughs> the official country of the UFC. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Fuck. Oh, <laughs> but let's go back to the heavyweight division because that's what we're we're really focusing on this episode. And I said we've got a lot of fights coming up, and I meant it. And first one, first cab off the rank is my guy, English heavyweight Tom Aspinall against Sergey Pavlovich, uh, thirteen versus fifteen. So not massive for the top end of the division, but certainly one of these guys is looking to cement their name inside the top 15 of the heavyweight division, which at any given moment can, can mean, you know, you're in the top five in a second. Someone pulls out, you get, you get the call up and you're good to go. Look how quickly Cyril Garn ascended to where he is now. Obviously, yes, he's been spectacular, but, 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 but really he, he, Tanner Boza, yeah, he decision over and then he beat a washed, Dos Santos, an unexciting performance over Jezinho, beat Volkov, and he just worked his way up. But he these were big jumps every single time, and that can happen in the heavyweight division. So Tom Aspinall against Sergey uh, Pavlovich, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be on the fight night of Darren Till versus Brunson. I believe they were aiming to have that in the UK, but I think because of some stadium restrictions and things like that, I think it's going to be in. Uh, on Fight Island, but that's going to be a good card. Look for uh, Paddy the Baddy, uh, Paddy the Baddy Pimlet to uh, make his UFC debut on that card as well. So really looking forward to that one. And then UFC 266, which is just shaping up. Please, please do not let this card get disturbed. Please do not let this card get disturbed because it's incredible obviously volkanovsky against ortega valentina shoshenko's on there the return of the great nick diaz but we've got two heavyweight fights on this card with huge implications we've got number six ranked jesinio rosenstrike competing against uh number four ranked is he number four ranked curtis blades i mean this could be a this could be a really interesting fight curtis blades has got hands jesinio is questionable against wrestling very very dangerous I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this one plays out. So and then interesting, the that fight, because Blades, I, I swear every second, I watch Blades one fight, and I'm like, this guy fucking sucks. He's terrible. And then I watch another fight, I'm like, holy fuck, this guy, he deserves a title shot, you know? Different like, fights that shows up every crazy. time. It's yeah. crazy. And it, the last couple of fights, I'd say one of them he looked great, one of them he didn't look that good, but he's looked really, really fit compared to, um, previous history and how he's used to look. So I think if he's just gradually getting more and more fit, um, that will be a massive fight. I, I hope uh, Jairzinho has also sort of hit the cardio a bit more as well because I feel like he's he's got the skills to be at least fighting for for a title. But it's all just looking at Fra like Francis Ngannou is a, is a genetic freak I know, but like look at Cyril Garn, he's got next to no body fat on him as well. And like, I think he weighed in at like 240 or something like that. Yep. Yep. It's who cares if you weigh 20 pounds less, man, you gotta be 
that it's all about the it's cardio. It's an advantage. It's 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 a it's a true advantage. It's about the cardio in the heavyweight division and I'm working really, really hard. And we've seen you said Derek Lewis, Curtis Blades improve their cardio. I didn't realize looking at Curtis Blades' record, it's mighty impressive. He has three losses, two of which against Francis Ngannou and one against Derek Lewis. Like, there's no there's no shame in that record whatsoever. No, nah, not at all. And he's got a monster head on him. He can take a few hits. <laughs> yeah, he's got a giant watermelon. Yeah. Just- <laughs> you can go me and a baseball bat versus him and uh, and I get the first he's winning five every shots time. and he still wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he is he is he's a, a strong, well built man who can really take some punishment standing on the feet, as as his record shows. Only getting knocked out by Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis, who are just different. They hit different to everyone else. <laughs> another another heavyweight fight on that card I'm looking forward to is uh, Shamil Abdurakimov against Chris Dorcas. That fight was supposed to happen a few weeks ago. It's been pushed here, so we have two. A uh, top 15 heavyweight matchups. Chris Dorcas is ranked 10th here. And a convincing win against number seven ranked uh, Ab- Abdurakimov could really you know, get him a, a high profile heavyweight matchup against someone like Alexander Volkov, a Rosenstrike, Curtis Blades, depending on how, it, how it's going. I really, really like Chris Dorcas. Yeah, they're both pretty scary dudes. Um, that Shamil guy is just the type of guy you just never want to cross, you know? <laughs> He's like, one, he's, to be honest, I, I can't see him being like a title holder or anything in the heavyweight division, but he is the sort of guy that personifies the history of the UFC heavyweight division, I think. He's got, he'll put you to sleep if he needs, he'll strangle you if he needs, and um, he's not afraid to just have the hands by his side and just throw and throw and throw until someone gets knocked out, kind of like the tie to a Vasa style. Yeah, I just want, you know, another, another one of these excellent grapplers from the official country of the UFC, Dagestan. And if you recall, he, he was he was the unfortunate guy who was beating the shit and controlling and wrestling Derek Lewis for the majority of that fight. And then Derek Lewis tagged him from, had that huge come from behind, come from behind win or one of his huge come from behind wins because he's had, he's had several of them. So really interested to, uh, yeah, to see how that goes. But Chris Dorcas likes to bang and he, uh, he's got very, very he- heavy hands. So good is that I'm interested card? to see. It, the card is absurd. And we're going to do a whole preview show on that because it deserves an hour, an hour and a half talking about it, looking at all the matchups, just, Getting excited, priming ourselves for what's going to be incredible pay per view. Heavyweight fight on an undercard, but I think you might here. I think we might. Oh, this I think this this one's on the undercard. Blades, you mean Blades versus Jozinho? Yeah, or one of those two heavyweight fights because they're on the same card, aren't they? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Dorcas will be on the undercard, which is crazy. You you really have. Yeah, you could. They could have that as a featured prelim prelim bout. That would be cool. Yeah. Wait, really build some momentum into the pay-per-view, have two heavyweights come out and just throw leather. Yeah. They usually, they usually will have two heavyweights at the start of a main card or they'll have them just like highlight a fight night, but really are that you see them on like the undercard, but that's just, it sort of shows that the heavyweight division is slowly getting that bit more stacked. Absolutely. Oh, by the way, Marlon Moraes is fighting on this card. It's like, what? <laughs> So let's 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 stay focused here uh, and yeah. continue talking about these heavyweights because we've also um, UFC Fight Night 194. Not huge, but I just wanted to mention it because anytime you've got an undefeated heavyweight, he's only one fight away from probably breaking into the top 15. And we have Alexander Romanov. Uh, he's 14 and 0, 3 and 0 in the UFC, taking on uh, Jared v- Venera, who beat who beat um, Justin Taffer. Uh, Jared Venera is 29 years old. Not much to say on this fight other than keep an eye on Romanov. His 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 stand-up is terrible at the moment, but he's a, he's a very, very good wrestler. But he's one of these fighters at the moment who leans on his wrestling too much. Right now it's been successful against the the you know the bottom half of the heavyweight division. But he goes and he, he doesn't set up his takedowns yet. He's yet to link. Link is striking in with his with his grappling and you just see him shoot for double legs from halfway across the cage. But because he's such an elite wrestler going against not so elite talent, he's able to be successful to this point. So that's going to be interesting. And then UFC 267, we've got to give this one a mensch. Walt Harris, one of the, you know, the crowd favorite, everyone likes Walt Harris, but the people's champ, the heavyweight king of Australia, tied to Ivasa, will be fighting at UFC 267, which 
what a matchup that's going to be. Two dudes with just absolute bombs in their hands who just want to throw leather. There won't be a hint of a takedown in that fight. Shoeys. Both dudes wrestling absolutely sucks. Will we see another shoey? We'll wait and see. But that one's a little further down the road, so I don't want to look too far ahead to that one. But just looking at this heavyweight division, so many of these guys in the top 15 have got fights booked for this year, and probably some of these other guys will have fights booked before the year's out. And so this entire top 15 is going to look vastly, vastly different. And we know how quickly fortunes can change in the heavyweight division. So as I said at the top of the show, just very, very excited to see where the 265-pound division leads. Yeah, it's there's so, so much potential in it, man. And I sort of knew that Garn was special, you know, but this it just sort of all clicked after this pay-per-view when I saw how much he dominated Lewis. And I'm like, the UFC, it could be in for some somehow it could grow even faster than it's already been growing over the past five years. And Dana always says when pe- people always ask him, you know, what happens when Connor leaves? What happens when Ronda Rousey leaves? What happens when Brock Lesnar leaves? He's just like, there's always someone else. There's, there's always, always someone, someone else. else. And he's fucking right. There's always someone else. And then guess what? John Jones is going to come back. The fucking, one of the biggest draw cards in history is going to come back. And, uh, crazy crazy to think we have this electric division with this top 15 without his name even being a part of it. We're talking about this fight between Nganu and Ghana is potentially one of the biggest, most important fights in UFC history. And then, oh, by the way, we're just going to inject the pound-for-pound pound greatest fighter of all time into the mix as well. It's just like when you, excuse, excuse you know me? When you're playing Uno and you just know you got that draw four. And Dana's just sitting there with a, with a draw four, and he's just like, "You guys, yeah." Except he's play. got the blank. He's got the blank card, and he's written like draw thirty, and he's just ready, <laughs> ready to just unleash it on the world. Yeah. <laughs> but he's also he probably like it's like pay John Jones or draw twenty five, and he's just like, oh, "I don't know what to do." You know, you know what? I'm going to give you a little uh, analogy here because we're talking about French sports. Let's go with some French football here. What we've got now, the UFC heavyweight division. We've got, you know, Nganu is is Neymar, Cyril Gan is Mbappe, and then we've got John Jones, who is Lionel Messi, coming in over the top. That's to just complete this trifecta in the heavyweight division. It's just going to be ridiculously fun to watch. And all they care about is winning the Champions League, just like all the UFC guys care about is winning the uh, just- championship. So it's not bad. It's not bad. How many games do you reckon PSG will lose just in the just in the regular season this year? Oh, I reckon they'll lose a couple, you know, and, and th- because they're going to be focusing on the Champions League. And I bet Messi's going to be like, uh, I'm not going to Strasbourg away midweek. <laughs> Neymar will take Neymar will take two weeks off in or two months off in the season to go and shag his sister when it's her birthday again. So, oh yeah, that's that's the whole thing. Have you not? Are you not? Are you not on that? Messi uh, and Neymar and his sister have a very save it for a very strange relationship that we do. (laughs) (laughs) But he's always injured around her birthday, and so he can go to her birthday party. And they always post pictures online that they're way too comfortable to be brother and sister. There are some serious Jamie and Cersei Lannister vibes going on with those two. It's uh, it's it ain't it ain't okay. It's very weird. Neymar's whole family has very strange relationships. Um, Yeah. His yeah. um, it's very 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 strange. But 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 at the risk of getting o- off track, I think they will lose. They will lose some games, and I also, it's also going to be problematic that all three of those forwards do absolutely no tracking back or defensive work. So, there's teams will be able to score against them as well. So, I don't know. <laughs> Me personally, it only I d- took us nine episodes, but finally there's some quality coming out of this fucking thing. Some squeeze <laughs> some quality content out of it. I, I personally would love to see it blow up in their fucking faces. I can't stand PSG. They're a joke. Anyway, let's, this is the Punch Drunk podcast, not the uh, League on Paris Saint-Germain podcast. So let's move on now to, you know, it's my favorite segment every week. Who is Dana White mad at? Ad, Adam, I've, I've got I've got a candidate for you, but if, 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 you've, if you've got someone, I'd love to hear it. I haven't got one. I couldn't help but think about how happy Dana White is after what, transpired in the last pay-per-view with the heavyweight division with basically everything we just said in the last 44 minutes. So I, I, I'm sure he's mad at a million people, but I'm going to hand it yeah. back. Yeah, no, back to no, you, man. 
You know who he's, who he's mad at? <laughs> Former middleweight champion and UFC commentator Michael Bisbing, who admitted that he illegally streamed UFC 265. <laughs> oh, Dana White is going to send Francis Ngannou to go and take away his only other good eye because that is not good from a company man to be saying I... I illegally streamed it. I haven't listened to his podcast yet. I believe that's where the quote came from. He was on holiday in Mexico and he's lost his, he lost his phone as well. So I don't know whether he didn't have his login information or what, what was going on. But yeah, Michael Bisping illegally streaming the fight and then publicly saying that he did. Not a good look for, uh, for, for you know, from his perspective. Dana White is definitely going to be texting him being like, yo, Mike, what the fuck? I've met some tight asses in my life, but... <laughs> Is there a tighter thing to do than when you work for the UFC and you <laughs> illegally stream their fucking content? I'm I haven't listened to it. I'm gonna give Bisbing the benefit of the doubt and say you that he had like tech te- technology fucks. issues. But he said he always buys the like of course he always buys the pay-per-views. Also, <laughs> I can't believe the UFC just, I can't believe the UFC someone. makes their employees their, their their employees to yeah, exactly. They should get it for free. But the fact they illegally streamed it means makes me think that like, you know, he was just unable to, to to figure it out i don't know but yeah. that's I, I actually respect it to be honest it's fucking hilarious it's hilarious i yeah. i just you know you know when social media sites put up a, a picture with a quote i just saw that so i'm looking forward to i've got his podcast all queued up i didn't want to listen to it before we did ours because i don't want anyone else's takes or opinions to seep in to what to, to what we're bringing we're bringing you our own fresh content here on the Punch Drunk Podcast. Yep. The great, you know, the best original thought, the best analysis possible. Oh, we do or listen to the dickheads. PSG podcast before we record, obviously. Obviously, <laughs> obviously. How else, are you gonna get, how else are you going to get incredible analogies that compare Francis Ngannou to Neymar? Yeah, and how else would we do our weekly incest segment if without, <laughs> without the Paris podcast? So um, it's important stuff, I know. Is there... Anything else? We want to tackle some more news. I kind of wanted to briefly talk about McGregor. He's just been on a tweeting storm again. I don't know if we've even... Tweeting and then deleting. Yeah. Tweeting and then deleting. But then there's all these other tweets, which just means obviously that someone else is running his social media and then Connor gets drunk or pops his oxys and then starts tweeting again. And then all the shit comes in and his social media managers like, ah, got to go delete Connor's tweets again. And then they like... Just, they log him out of his device remotely and he's too drunk to to get logged back in. I'm sure that's what's happening because it's it's mental. This man does not think before he tweets whatsoever. There's a it's so fucking funny, man, if you like follow Conor McGregor's social media closely, it's like he posts a video on his story of him drinking whiskey and then an hour later there's 10 t- offensive tweets and then he'll the next day he'll post a video of him smoking a joint and then there's these tweets like great fighter i love you you're so important like it's just so clear what he's taking when he's yeah. tweeting one that, thing when that he's in a nutshell is the is the perfect argument for why we should be legalized i know it's oh, look it's at the so different outcomes you get exactly and then the other thing is i i, I still i have a little empathy for Conor man i got Iris blood in me. We don't know how to talk about our problems. We just swallow them, keep them inside forever, and then we push it towards other people with anger or sadness. It's and I mean, alcohol it, abuse. Alcohol abuse. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest and say I'm not involved in any alcohol abuse, but uh, I do have a lot of family members who have been so. Yeah, it's true. That's not funny. We shouldn't laugh at that. Um, no, it, it's pretty <clears> funny. <laughs> <laughs> Generational alcohol abuse. Yay. Yeah. Uh, what did Freud say about the Irish? They're the only ones that can't be psychoanalyzed or something like that. So, because they're fucking crazy. So, everyone just needs to stop giving Connor therapy and tell him to shut the fuck up because whether he's saying really, really hurtful and offensive things or whether he's saying he loves people. I like it. But here's, like here's, it. Here's, yeah, so do I. But here's, here's the rub, right? Look at Floyd Mayweather, the greatest pay-per-view salesman of all time. He literally beat his wife or girlfriend or both and has served time for domestic violence and continued to sell pay-per-views. Connor said some, said some shit. I know there was the Dolly thing with, with, with Khabib and all that, but it's not like he attacked Dustin Poirier outside of the cage or anything like that. He said some some 
things. He crossed the line. He talked about family, so on and so forth. Pro- problematic stuff. He is the ultimate businessman. And from the second his leg broke, and when he said to Joe Rogan, come and interview me, he was already selling the next fight. He is the ultimate marketer, salesman. And everyone's like, oh, I used to like Connor. I don't like him anymore. People start to sour on him. People are still talking about him. And when he comes back, if he comes back and fights, whoever it is, people will be buying that pay-per-view to see Conor McGregor knocked out. That's a fact. The only thing I'll say, and it's wrong that it works like this, but the only thing I'll say on that is the reason Floyd kept doing what he was doing was because he kept winning. And Connor's had a few losses now, and that's when all the hate starts coming in. I ag- I agree. I agree. And I would say, there's a, and th- that can only go on so long, but there's something different about MMA and boxing. A loss is catastrophic in boxing. In MMA, it's it's accepted. And I, you make a great point, and you're complete. If he loses one or two more, then the gravy train's over. But if he can come back and get another win, all these past losses are forgotten. Yeah, you're That's right. How, There's the, a little M- bit more M- leeway in the MMA for sure. There's, yeah, which is great because the top guys fight each other. It doesn't take 10 years for Pacquiao to fight Mayweather when both guys are on the downside of their of their skills. That's It's a great thing about UFC. So Connor doing crazy shit, doing Connor shit again. Uh, there was... There's been a lot of talk now about the future of Gable Stevenson. If you don't know who that is, he won the heavyweight freestyle wrestling gold medal for Team USA in in, in the Olympics. And he is a monster. Talking about great, great athletes, he's 21 years old. Give this kid three or four years to go and develop his striking. I mean, he said 18 months he could be the UFC heavyweight champion. I don't think it's going to be that quick. But if he does sign to the UFC, he's also got... WWE pursuing his signature. He's also got the NFL interested. He's that athletic and incredibly talented. He's played some football that they're talking about him potentially being a defensive tackle in the NFL and molding his game after Aaron Donald. Just ridiculously athletic. Weighs 262 pounds, can do backflips, just sensational. Hasn't lost a wrestling match in years. This guy is ready-made to go out and rag Dana. Sign him, Dana. Dana White needs to make a huge statement of intent here and go, yes, this is the door that's going to open the heavyweight division because he's a huge star in America right now. He won the gold medal in spectacular fashion. Dana White needs to make a a, a strong point. And Daniel Cormier came out and said he should go over and become a monster in the WWE and then he can come in and headline pay-per-views right away. If the UFC signs him to a big contract... They, they, he could headline a fight night right away, maybe not a pay-per-view, but you could put him as a co-main right away. Brock Lesnar wasn't the main event uh, in his in his first UFC pay-per-view. He doesn't, and he was a huge, huge star. You don't need that these days. Gable Stevenson, with his with his talent and wrestling ability, and let's not forget, he's young. He's only going to get better and better. Brock Lesnar wasn't straight out of out of college at the peak of his wrestling ability. He gone away and was fucking around doing wwe and all that so i think his skills probably diminished somewhat he was a little bit older as well stevenson is stevenson is every every six months you're going to see significant evolution in his game i think it'd be electric for the heavyweight division imagine throwing him in in there right now looking at that top 15 he's a better wrestler than every single person in that division which is someone that can legitimately like throw around an nganu or a cyril gun or legitimately throw them yeah literally suplex them I think I, I think he's a. I'm obviously not a, a, a freestyle wrestling aficionado, but given his accomplishments, I think it's safe to say he's probably better a better wrestler than Daniel Cormier, who threw people all over the place in the light heavyweight and heavyweight yeah, division. And, way and he doesn't. He's way bigger. He he doesn't cut weight. He walks around naturally, about 260 pounds. This guy is a monster specimen. So I'd be very very excited and very interested in seeing him come to the UFC. And then finally. Uh, last piece of news I wanted to bring up in what could be dubbed as the biggest cocaine event of 2020-21. Anderson <laughs> Silva will be boxing. <laughs> <laughs> Anderson Silva is boxing Tito Ortiz. That's, that's you know, in itself, Tito is going to do enough cocaine for half of the stadium. <laughs> but it's on the undercard of Vitor Belfort against Oscar De La Hoya. Can you imagine Tito and... Tito and Oscar after the fight, they're going to be doing it Scarface style. Uh, but I'm not sure why this fight is happening. I'm guessing just because they're throwing boatloads of money to make it happen. But Anderson Silva has just is off the back of a legit boxing win over a legit 
former pro- or yeah, professional boxer in, in <laughs> Jose Chavez Jr. And I mean, he's going to box Tito's brains in, and anyone, no one needs more brain damage less than Tito Ortiz <laughs> or so, Vitor <laughs> or Vitor Belfort. Right? These dudes are just going to get their faces piled in. But Anderson Silva should should have been taking a fight against Roy Jones Jr. or another like proper proper actual professional boxer or you know an older guy who's at the back end of their career. But anyway, I hope they both all make a truckload of money, uh, and I hope I hope somehow Oscar De, De La Hoya gets his face caved in by Vitor because that would be hilarious. Yep, Dana's one dying wish would be something along <laughs> those lines. I think. I think if you made it a, a deal with Dana, was like. If 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 De La Hoya gets knocked out, you have to kill yourself. Dana White would sign the paper immediately. <laughs> like I think that's how badly he wants it. Yeah, for I think that's how badly he wants it. It's like Dana, you've got to step in front of a train if Vitor wins this fight. He'd be like, "Where's the train? Let's do it." He could die happy. He he comes up in nearly every single press event that Dana does. <laughs> He hates him so much. The journalists it's just so go, good. they just rub their heads together, like Mr. Going, fucking Miyagi, uh, and they just, go, <laughs> they just go, so, Oscar Dealer, fuck that guy, fuck me and fucking cold. They don't even need to ask yeah. a question. They just hold the mic and go, so, yeah, what about Oscar? <laughs> fuck that <laughs> That dumb cokehead. That guy is the biggest idiot on the planet. You know who You know who Dana White hates more than Oscar De La Hoya or maybe the same amount? Tito Ortiz, this is incredible. <laughs> he might not need to kill himself. He might just die of happiness. He might just reach sheer nirvana if both Anderson and Vitor Belfort could somehow knock out Tito and De La Hoya. Dana, Dana White would get would 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 be so happy. He might just die. They need to get he might a, have just... a special referee, Ariel Hawani, <laughs> to just get in the middle. <laughs> A special referee, but a special guest comes in and hits the referee with a chair. <laughs> Data. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Oh, well, sorry for all you not so um, nerdy fans out there. You're probably just like, you need to stop fucking geeking out. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Hey, there's one, one more thing. And I think... I totally missed it on the show sheet, but I did want to talk about it. So I think it's a nice way to tie a bow on this, on this, uh, on this episode. And your, your little, your little question is Jose Aldo, a top 10 Brazilian fighter of all time. I think easily for, for, for me, I, I think he's top five. Yeah. Well, I thought that as well. I, um, potentially even top three. Uh, what I saw, uh, one of the MMA pages, forgive me, I can't remember which one they, one it was, but on Instagram just had, had it like posed as a question on their post. And I was reading through the comments and like a lot of people were being like, fuck no, no way. And then I put it on our Instagram story as like a question and we got a couple of responses back, both of which said no. So I was just like, I don't know. They said no? Something? Yeah. So our fans what? are pretty switched on, which is good to know. <laughs> no, 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 no doubt. What? Yeah, I mean, Anderson Silva. One of them was, of them num- was quite detailed. Anderson Silva, Anderson Silva, number one, obviously. I mean, it depends how far you want to go back and what we mean by greatest ever. Oh, the, the bins are getting collected. Sorry for the noise. Right, Hoist Gracie, pioneer. And in level of importance to the UFC, you'd probably put him in the top five. But in terms of skill level as a fighter, no. Vanderlei Silva is definitely there. The Noguera brothers. You've got Vitor, Lioto. <sighs> Cyborg in the women's division. She was, she was huge, but... I don't see how how Aldo isn't an absolute lock for top five, and I could make a convincing oh, argument. Have we forgotten Amanda Nunes? I have forgotten Amanda Nunes, so she's she's definitely in there. Amanda Nunes is definitely in there. She's Apologies for getting Amanda Nunes. Actually, Anderson Silva's number one, I guess. Then throw Anderson Silva's one. Maybe Amanda uh, Amanda Nunes definitely top three, but I think Jose Aldo, arguably the greatest featherweight of all time won championships in WEC UFC and is now reviving his career as a bantamweight as well. Just, yeah, I find it hard pressed to, to not at least have him in the top five, but for people to say not top 10, I'm, I'm curious. I'm actually going to go and see, I haven't, ch- I haven't checked our Instagram. So I'm going to go check that out because I'm genuinely curious and, you know, I'm always opening to being, to being proven wrong. No, I'm not. No one actually likes 
<laughs> but um, I'm, I'm, def- I'm definitely uh, I'm curious to, to, to hear that argument. So I thought that was a great a great question, and so I just wanted to make sure we got to that before we wrapped up the show. And we're about to hit the hour mark. Bob on. So Adam, I think this is as good a time as any to get on out of here. Tell everyone where they can find us on the socials. At Punch Drunk Pod, Instagram at Punch Drunk Pod underscore on Twitter at Punch Drunk Pod on TikTok. Email us punchdrunkpod at gmail.com if you'd like. And other than that, Punch Drunk Pod on YouTube. Thanks for listening, everyone. Great to see you, Lewis. You enjoy too. Enjoy your week. Um, I will be doing nothing between now and next week because my life sucks, but enjoy whatever you get to do in your beautiful European summer with your beautiful European wife and your. <laughs> Not so beautiful. You, head. you, as you say, you really need to get out the house, don't you? <laughs> it's been a while. It's Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.